0: All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer podcast. Raf Giallo here and joined today by former Ireland International Keith Tracy and five-time League of Ireland winner Ollie Cahill. We'll talk about the SSE or Tristy League a little bit later on, as well as our live Champions League match, which we'll see Man City hosting RB Leipzig on RT two and RT player on Tuesday. But before we do all that, first, we're going to delve into the Ireland men's team with the squad to face Latvia in a friendly and then the qualifier against France uh, for Euro 2024, due to be named in the very near future. But uh, before we talk about the actual squad itself, who might partner Evan Ferguson and possible new faces. Uh, Let's take the room temperature. I think back uh, last year, Keith, um, you know, when we were talking about where we were coming towards the end of the Nations League campaign, I remember you mentioned that there was a sense that Ireland were sleepwalking into the Euro 2024 campaign. And since then, we've had uh, friendly against Norway, friendly against Malta, kind of a mixed bag. Has anything in the last while swayed your opinion that we are sleepwalking into this campaign?
1: not really Rat, if, I'm, uh, if I'm being completely honest I don't think we've I don't think we've improved a great deal I think I still think we're a little bit tootless when we have the ball and sometimes when we have the ball we're almost enemies teams come and they, they let us have the ball and they think we'll nick it and then we go straight down the throat and I think the the three at the back the five at the back wherever you want to call it I think it's it works well against teams like France the bigger teams who are going to dominate the ball we can we can shut up shop and then we can spring it and go and hoard them. but when the likes of a Latvia or a, you know, a lesser team comes here, we really, really struggle to break them down. I actually think we'll do okay against France, uh, Rafa. I have to be honest. I don't think we'll win the game. I think we'll give a, a good, decent point performance, which is what you expect. You want to see uh, sweat on the shirt. You want to see players running with desire, with hunger. I think we'll get all that. But I still think we'll lose the game. And then, obviously, we're going to have the Dutch coming as well. So, look, it's an uphill battle. It really is. where are a team in transition. We're all looking forward to seeing Evan Ferguson in an Ireland jersey, but really are we going to be able to get the ball off the French? Are we going to get it off them? Are we going to get it into Ferguson's feet? Are we going to get numbers into the box? Commit numbers to the attack? I don't think so. When you've got them, belle Mbappe, Griezmann, Giroud, all these people floating about in our final court, I'm not so sure. Look, I, look Like I said, I think we'll do okay. I hope the Latvia one is not a, you know, a deflated balloon. I hope we go out and play well against them, put them to the sword to win to the French game. And just give a good account of ourselves i think that's all we can ask really against a very very strong french team
0: yeah and ollie looking at the potential squad that's going to be named i think it looks like kenny has had a settled squad for the most part and do you expect any new faces i mean there'll probably be only be a couple at the most
2: yeah, yeah, as you said, it's, it seems to be a pretty settled squad at the moment. I know we just spoke about there's a Mikey Johnson and um, the lad at Blackburn as well. Talks will they get in? Will they not? Um, Johnson forward thinking player, attacking player. Back to Keith's point, I say that's where we struggle. Um, and then, as you say, a lot is going to revolve around <coughs> Evan, Evan Ferguson and can we get service up to him? Presuming he's going to start. Um, so a lot resting on the, that young man's shoulders. But in fairness to say, it has been a pretty settled squad. And um, yeah, it's unlikely, I'd say, that there to be too many surprises outside of, of what we've seen recently.
0: Yeah, Sam Smodzic being one that's been talked about, as I think you mentioned, uh, who's been at Blackburn playing quite well this season. The others, Keith, the likes of Will Smallbone. He was in the last squad, um, the last senior squad, and having been part of the 21s during the last European campaign and seems to be doing quite well at Stoke uh, of late. And then there's another one, Mark Sykes, who has been brilliant since January with uh, Bristol City. I mean, what are the chances of. I suppose, especially Sykes, but maybe also Smallbone actually pushing closer to the 11, assuming they get selected in the squad?
1: I I think they, the, the best case scenario is they do get into the squad and maybe they, get, they take part in the Latvia game. I don't think uh, Stephen Kenny will, will be tinkering too much with the French. I think they'll go with Detroit and test it, the people he trusts. And I think that's fair enough. But the lads, you know, sometimes you come into a squad and you think, I might get 10 minutes in the first game, but when... When the chips are down, I'm here to learn. I, I'll be on the sidelines. I'll be looking in. and Look, Will Smallbone's doing good. Johnson's doing good. So it's all, all exciting players, but, you know, they haven't been in international waters yet. And to throw them in against the French would be, you know, that, that's deep water, really, really deep water stuff. So, yeah, look, I think they might get a couple of minutes against Latvia, but in terms of the French game, I think it'll be, you know, we could probably name the starting 11 now, barred of injuries. And like I say, I... As long as we go up there and we we go to the Aviva, we fight. You know, necessarily the tactics don't really mean that much. We just want to see a, a motivated team, a team that wants to fight and win. And look, hopefully the French have an off day. We've seen lately, and Batay sometimes, you know, even in the World Cup, the final. I know this sounds silly, scored for a hat trick, but he didn't play well in the game. Even against England, they thought Kyle Walker did a great job, and I'm look. We don't have a Kyle Walker in our team, but. I think if we could get a, a mixture of Doherty and Coleman, maybe Coleman as the third centre-half, Doherty is the right wing-back, and you know, you kick him, I'll take a turn at kicking him, and then so one of the centre-halves can come over and kick him as well, because he's just absolutely electric. We've, they've an awful lot of problems, but to go back to the original question, I think maybe the French players will play against Latvia, but I don't see them playing against the French, being such a quick turnaround. around. I think you might even rest Seamus Coleman. Doherty hasn't played a lot at the Madrid either, so these are of the big lads that we need I think they'd be wrapped in cotton wool and maybe maybe the French players will play the fourth game
0: yeah and another one that was of potential interest was Joe Hodge at Wolves Keith I mean when um when we, when we were in January he'd been I think he had like five Premier League appearances at that point seemed to be getting a lot of minutes that seems to have dropped off completely he's not in the squad so I would imagine his opportunity isn't going to come in this particular um selection.
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. But look, we don't have that many players in the Premier League, never mind actually playing in the Premier League week, week in, week out. So Hodge is—he's a, a good—he's a good option. What I've seen of him, I have liked him. Maybe looks a little bit lightweight for for first team football just yet. But probably be being bullied in around the middle of the pitch. But these are—he's he's still a young lad. He needs to bulk up in the gym. That sort of stuff will happen off the pitch. But yeah, really happy with what I've seen from him, and I do think he's one for the future. But yeah, the fact that he's just coming out of that Wolves team at the minute. Probably just uh, puts a bit of a dent in his chance of getting into these ones, but he's definitely one for a future, I here
0: Yeah, and Ollie also in the same position in this midfield area. Obviously, Jamie McGrath had been a key part of Ireland squads in the early part of Kenny's reign. Dropped out of it, but um, he was back in the November window, and he's obviously playing quite well with Dundee United in the last while. And also on top of it, Jim Goodwin's gone in there. Um, obviously, an Irish manager who had him at Saint Mirren and uh, rates him very highly. So I would imagine again he'll be another one that will be leaned on, especially playing that sort of number eight role.
2: Yeah, yeah, he, he did well. fairness. <coughs> um, Stephen liked him um, when he was going well. Obviously, the move to it Wigan didn't really go well for him. Back up in, in Scotland now seems to be finding his feet again, getting going again, um, and you say. Like a couple of years ago, he was an integral part of the team. Um, and it's good. It's good to have those sort of options again, as you said Like those forward-thinking players, those guys going forward that, um, you know that that can that can help and maybe do something. Jamie is, is one of them. Um, you know, so it's good to have him back in form. Can he push into the starting level? Probably not. Um, but you know, again, back to what Keith saying. Like the more options are, the more we can we can get in there, and um, the better uh, I think. A good sign as well, probably Gavin Bazoon form at the moment as well. You you would be thinking against France he's going to be worked. Um so he's going well. Um really good performance yesterday uh, for Southampton against Man United. Um, so that, that bodes well for us. Um Seamus Coleman getting goal of the month as well, you know. <laughs> um so that that's good. I mean, Sean Deutsch gone in and everything and, and Coleman has seems to be going well under him, so they are all positives for us as well. And they, that's the sort of stuff um that no, Stephen will be will be happy with going into the to, to the games
0: yeah so as Ollie said there Keith I mean um, Seamus Coleman coming into form at a good time especially given that kind of the issues at right back right wing back with Matt Doherty having had such little game time since moving to Atletico Madrid and I guess with Doherty sometimes as great a player as he is with, with maybe it's the style of play that he has but when he hasn't when he's not Matt Sharp it sometimes shows a bit more than it would with some other players I guess
1: yeah, sometimes we read into Matt Dutton's body language an awful lot. And I, I was one as a player, sometimes my body language looked a million miles off what I was actually thinking in my head. And I, I'm very reluctant to read into players' body language because it's just something you, you think for some reason. He doesn't look up for it. But Matt Dottie's performances for Ireland have been largely good. And I, I do think Stephen Kenny will stick with him. I know he's not playing an awful lot of that him go. And that's worrying because you would assume that Simeone's took a look at him defensively and thought, you know, he's not for me. and. I, I know, obviously know Ciarán Trippier very well and when Ciarán Trippier went to Aleppo he wasn't the best defender in the world but uh, Simeone was prepared to walk for him and made him a much much better defender I was hoping that that's what's going to happen with Doherty there's still time for that to happen but look in, in terms of that I'm not sure if uh, we, we will play him I, I'm fairly sure we will play him unless he's carrying some sort of injury in the background but yeah I'm fairly sure he will play he might even get a half against lapier just to try and get him up to a bit of speed but if he near enough Ratton and I watched, uh, I done the commentary for Nottingham Forest against Everton and James Coleman was the best player on the pitch. He was brilliant. His energy up and down the wing, flying into tackles. He was 100 mile an hour and I can, I can see Sean Dyche's DNA going into that Everton team, not just Coleman and Coleman being the captain is grabbing people with a scruff of the neck and hopefully he can bring that now into the Irish team as well and we'll all bode well.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if that goal of the month Ollie was talking about, if that was a shot or a cross. I, I think I was watching that game live, if I recall. It was a, it was a good finish either way, whether he meant it or not.
2: We're giving it to him. I think he meant it because there was <laughs> no one in the box, so I'm going to go, yeah, we're giving it to him.
0: Yeah, well, any Premier League scores we can get at this at this rate anyway, but Evan Ferguson has... He's has not been...
2: convinced there, are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but um, in regards to Evan Ferguson, three Premier League goals uh, since New Year's Eve, and Ollie. I mean... The question isn't really so much is he going to start. I think there's an expectation he probably there's a good chance he'll start against France, and he probably will start against Latvia just to give him um, you know a third cap and more more international experience. But uh, who would you be partnering with him? I mean, Callum Robinson's injured, so the options who are likely to be in the squad are Abafemi Ida, who's returned, Parrot, and Ogbeni. Obviously, Aaron Connolly also is going to be unavailable, having made a reasonable start to his uh, time with Hull. But who would you? Who do you think is going to is the ideal partner to bring the best out of him and also sure. maybe mitigate uh, maybe areas of Evans' game that still need a little bit of work?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. As I said, like Obafemi, um Ogbeni, they've been chipping in with a few goals. Or Adams done well, lively, full of energy, get around. Um, he he could be the one. Um, it's tricky, there's a lot resting on Evan, um, you know, there's a lot resting on him um, for such a young lad, but but the impact he's made uh, in the Premier League, um, and the way, you know, Dezebri has spoke about him and everyone has spoken about him, and, and the good thing you, you hear about him is, is the attitude, we all know what he can do, but he seems to have a really good attitude, and um, and look, I, I know his dad, and have played against him, and it's no surprise that, that that Evan has that attitude. So, um, a lot of focus is going to be on him. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who can match up. Um, O'Mahony has done well, um, for Ireland. Um, so it's it's another option there. But I think maybe Ogbeni, Ogbeni, you know, just get around lively and um, capable of chipping in with a goal here and there as well. Um, it just brings that bit of energy energy to things. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure Buffemi and Ferguson together would it work. Um, but
0: look, it might, it might. I'm not sure what way Steven's going to go. But f- for me, um, I would probably go without Benny. Yeah, and Keith. Similarly, in terms of complementing Evan Ferguson, presuming he's uh, he's going to start, and and hopefully assuming he's also going to be fit for this uh, for this upcoming international window, who do you think complements his game best of those forward options that are there already?
1: I'd be pretty similar to what Oli's saying I would play out Benny and I would go over Femi as well and obviously look Ferguson's going to be isolated against France I think we all know we can all see where that's going to come from our Benny and Agbeni will be pulled back they'll be really really deep but the good thing about that is we're going to have a bank of five and a bank of four and then Ferguson will be up by himself all the Femi and our Benny can eat up the ground so if we do get it fizzling into Ferguson's feet his first job is to hold it up let the lads go and get close to him it will only be the Femi and Benny. I don't think we'll overextend ourselves in that in that regard. So, for me, yeah, get the two speeches there. And, of course, if Mbappe plays on the left or the right, the right back or the left back is going to be left 1v1 all the time because Mbappe, he's not going to do an awful lot of running back. So, you would tell Ogbeni that, look, you've got a job to do defensively. You're going to go and have to help and Dottie, whoever it is. But when we get a chance to attack, I need you up that pitch as well. I need you to give me all you can for 60, 70 minutes. We can change it if you like, but... Empty the tank out there defensively and offensively. You will get chances, but we have to keep the French out. That's the that's the big one for me. And look, I, I just don't I I hope Ferguson and I do think he, he will play against Latvia. Uh, Laf- like you're saying, just to just to get a feel for it again, and then he'll come in and play against France. It'd be awful, wouldn't it? If something was to happen to him in that Latvia game, and that's that's what Stephen Kennedy thinking. That's where all the Irish fans are thinking. Please, like Ollie was saying, when Fabinho you put in that tackle on him. All all the Irish boys are thinking, Oh God, no, please, don't be injured and Thankfully, and he managed to bounce back from it. So he'll be wrapped up in cotton wool for the Latvia game, but hopefully he gets a goal. Hopefully he hits the back of the net. He starts finding a bit of form for Ireland as well, and we have that striker that we all want.
0: Yeah, and uh, in terms of the back four, Keith, as well. I mean, or the back uh, five generally. Obviously, we know who the options for the wing back roles are going to be. The back tree part of that has been very, very settled. So you've Dara Shea at West Brom has been in really good form. And then you've John Egan, who's a part of a promotion push with, with Sheffield United. Shane Duffy is out of that. And Nathan Collins, albeit not so much game time recently, he did come on yesterday to... Um, as Wolves changed formation when they were playing Newcastle. But Shane Duffy seems out of it. And Jerome is likely to come back. Do you think Shane Duffy's out of it to the point that he's actually out of the squad as well? Because game time has been limited, very, very limited at Fulham.
1: I'm not so sure, Raph. I think if you're looking at it on paper, he shouldn't be in the squad. But when you when you start scratching in and who, who are we going to bring in instead of him, who's going to play... I think Duffy's a great option off the bench. I don't I don't think we can play him just because, you know, he's not match fit and it'd be a huge, huge ask for him. But, you know, if we're losing 1-0 to France or 2-1 to France with 10 minutes to go, I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to just throwing him on the front. I know that's not Stephen Kenny's style, but he's a big, big threat in the box. In either box, he's very, very good defensively. He's one of Ireland's top goal scorers with a Stephen Kenny. He's not the top goalscorer. So, yeah, look, I throw him on the bench and, you know, whatever happens in the last 10 minutes, if I'm still in the French game, Start pumping balls into the box because that's where, That's what the French don't like. They're, the neat tippy-tappy football is what they want. Hits you with the counter-attack, lots of pace. You start putting balls into the box, you know. Look, I think you, just, you don't complicate the game against the French. You get it into wide areas, you put it into decent decent quality into the box. If they win, you, you get certain, you get your sentiment feelers to close them in. Look, it's going to be a difficult, difficult game. But, yeah, I... I I think you start with Collins. I know Collins isn't playing, and it's, it's a tough one when you, when you sit Shane Duffy down and say, "This You're not going to play because you haven't been playing a club, and then you're going to go and start Nathan Collins. So you understand that, but it's horses for courses. Collins has been playing a little bit more. He's a little bit younger. He, he will be able to do it to a certain degree a little bit easier than Shane Duffy. So, yeah, I think O'Shea, Egan, and Collins will be the three. But, you know, you never know. It's very hard to second guess Stephen Penny on these things.
0: Yeah, we'll see that. Uh, obviously, squad likely to be named in the, the next few days. And then after that, then, of course, uh, Latvia five days before the game on the 27th against uh, France, which is the uh, the one that uh, I think has been marked down on the calendar now for a number of months. But anyway, we're going to turn our attentions to the SSE or Tristie League Premier Division. And on Friday, Derry City, the leaders drew nil nil with what has become now an informed Dundalk after their very good weekend, the uh, the previous weekend. Shells and Shamrock Rovers drew 0-0. Pats and Bohemians, uh, that was a victory for Bohemians against 10-man uh, ten- Pats, who are struggling um, after having made a kind of solid start to the season. But last three matches have gone uh, have gone very, very awry, starting with the 5-0 the defeat at Dundalk and then followed by losing to 10-man Sligo then on the Monday. And then Draw the United continue their solid start to the season with a 1-0 win at UCD. And then on Saturday... Sligo Rovers and Cork City shared the points, two-two draw there. With Sligo coming from two goals down, and just on Sligo Rovers first, it looks like they're going to have a very, very inconsistent season. What have you made of Sligo so far? Because they seem they seem very, very up and down.
2: Yeah, that's it. You've hit the nail on the head. Inconsistent. Um, I saw most of their game against Shamrock Rovers a few weeks on. Thought they were they were good, really good, and um, they're. They're tough at home, they have a few new bodies in, but um, I like the look of what I saw. Um, but I suppose that that inconsistency um, they, they come back late, scored a late goal against Rovers, Um, obviously a couple of late goals the other night again. So that's that's a good trait. And I saw John Russell's interview after the game as well, he's probably disappointed overall with the performance. But the positive for him is bouncing back again to get those two goals from being 2 0 down. And um, Cork had a couple of chances to possibly make it three, so that, that, that's the positives for him. But I suppose he'd be a little bit frustrated with the with the up and down nature and the inconsistency of a, of them at the moment. Still only five games in, um, and say still a new fa- few new faces. Um, it's either bench the or not. Even if some, you know some experience there, Danny Lafferty, David Crawley, um, guys who, who know the league inside out, and you know? also um, they they have quality there. They have quality, there. as you said there be no fear of them getting dragged into the bottom half, and um, I think they'll be they'll be pushing up towards it. You know, the, the top half. Uh, whether they can challenge it, yeah, they might they might challenge for Europe, but um, they just need to, to to get a consistent run together. But look, on their day, they are capable of giving anyone a game. That's for sure, as I say. And uh, it will be interesting to see, as I say, John's done a really good job there, um, and Sligo is obviously a tough place to go. So, um, yeah, they'll they'll be. They'll still be positive, as I say, despite the inconsistency, they'll still be positive with the start they've had. Um and you know, if they can iron out a few things here and there, they, they can see no reason why they can't keep pushing up towards the top end of the table.
0: Yeah, and Cork City, on the other hand, have had a couple of good draws now in a row Um, after having beaten uh, UCD comprehensively just before that. So it went to Tala and uh, ended up being an eight-goal triller where they got a point. And then also, as we just said there on Saturday, getting a point to Sligo Rovers. And Keith, I suppose they're showing that uh, despite maybe a couple of concerns at the beginning of the season when we were talking to Neil Horgan about whether they could adapt stri- very quickly to that big step up to the Premier Division, they seem to have. Uh, they seem to be matching what their. You know, I suppose that ambition of being able to compete.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was very interested in the Rovers game when Cork went up to Tallow. I was thinking this is a real, real test because Rovers obviously hadn't won a game yet. and You're thinking Rovers are, are a wounded animal here. They could really try and put Cork to the sword. And you're thinking, is this going to be a five or a six? But they were excellent. To go to to go to Tallow and score four goals is a difficult, difficult thing to do. And I know they can see the four goals, but they get a draw against the league champions, the runaway league champions last season is, is excellent, excellent stuff. And then to go and back it up in Sligo as well is, is really good stuff. And I just hope they're they, manage, they able to keep it going. Because the one worry for me is I know they have a, a very decent starting 11. The starting 11 that can compete against most teams in this league, if you start picking one or two out at the bench, it's not quite up to standard. I think it comes down one or two levels if you do have to start replacing a couple of players So. Yeah, for me, if they can keep that player's fit, keep them motivated like they should be, being back in the big league, then, yeah, Cork have every chance of staying in the league. I'm really, uh, really impressed with what I've seen with them so far.
2: Yeah, and draw the... A- sorry, Keith, after the, the first game, you know, it was live on the TV and all, and they, they, they didn't play well on the night and too, oh. Cork are going to struggle, but they've bounced back really well. They're top scorers in the division. I know they've conceded ten as well, that the second highest in the division too. Like, but um, as you said, that's a, that's a huge result in Tala and and, and in Sligo You know, but I suppose the disappointing from their end is losing the two goal lead in Tala and losing the two goal lead in Sligo as well. So that's that's something that they'll, they'll have to improve on. But you know, they've, they've bounced back well from that initial defeat to Balls on the opening day.
0: Yeah, and uh, Drada as well have made a very solid start, eight points from their opening five games, which uh, represents a good uh, good outlay for the moment. And they faced Dundalk in the Derby on Thursday, Ollie, and um, your old um, your old Shelburne teammate, obviously Kevin Doherty in charge there, did a very good job last season continuing in the same vein this campaign. I mean, from your recollection of him um, in the dressing room, was he always somebody you felt was, you know, destined for management and kind of leading the way in this way? Not not really,
2: not really. I did wouldn't have picked him out initially as definitely going, going into management. Um he was he was a great lad. He was, yeah, brilliant attitude and just so he was unlucky when we played, he's got with injuries and stuff, but um obviously he he finished playing early, so I still had the bug and still kept involved. So um as you say, I think he's done a fantastic job with a Brilliant last year, this year. I know they had plans to be going full time, and he's probably promised a, a decent budget, better than what's on now. I think the budget eventually got cut. So um he's he's put together a team eight points after five games as well. But just looking even through, like they've Connor Keeley, um, Gary Deegan, you know, Ryan Brennan, Darren Markey, some de- decent players there. Sprinkled with some young lads as well coming in, but they've they've got off to a good start. Again, I, I saw them against Rovers. I know Rovers had a couple of men sent off, but they battled away. They, they the opening night of the season as well away in shells, they kept battling away. They plugged on, plugged on, picking up points. And again, they would be delighted with that start. Um, whether they can sustain it across the uh, the year um, it remains to be seen. As say uh, maybe back to what Keith is saying about Cork. You know that the squad um, might go against them, but for now. Brilliant start, and they say Kev's done done a magnificent job there.
0: Yeah, and Keith, you were at uh, Richmond Park for Pats's third defeat on the trot, where they lost two 0 to what is an informed Bohemians in a Dublin derby. And like last week, we were talking to John McDonald about Pat's start of the season. He was saying they needed to reboot their campaign after kind of it going off the rails. But what was your view, what was your take on what you saw firsthand, um, and what needs to be done there to to get them back on the right track?
1: Well, first of all, first of all the uh, Bows were excellent. I have to say, I thought Bows were really, really good. It was my first time seeing them this season, and they, they defended the two centre halves, uh, Lukowski and Nowak, were brilliant. They put themselves into brilliant positions. There was Pat uh, Pat didn't play well in the game, but there was a period in the game where he started putting some decent balls into the box, and he asked questions. Told it in the goal came out, handling was brilliant. Never get uh, Pat Smith. Like I say, the two centre halves were brilliant. Kirk, the left back, was really, really good. But it was the same old problems from Pats. Uh, there was too much, too much space all over the pitch. They were, they were so spread out. Like when you, when you look at Bows and you look at Pats, Bows were really compact, really together. And they, they forced Pats to play from side to side. They never got through the Bows midfield. And when they did, Bows were waiting for them. They were closing the door and licking the ball. Pats weren't like that. Pats were so, so open and... Yeah, the the big thing that was noticed for me when they did get the ball forward, Tom Lonigan only in from UCD, he's in the league still, you know, still a young lad. He needs a bit of help up there. The the two wingers for a they were so far back, they just couldn't get up to help him. And when they did, you know, he was probably three v one every time Tom Lonigan got it, and it was a fighting ball as well. So look, Pat's wedding, great. They've a, a list as long as we are that they need to, they need to address during the week. But I, I give an awful lot of credit to Balls. In the final tour, they quickened up the pass, and it went to one, one, two touch stuff. McDonald in the middle. It sounds like such an easy thing, Rap, but the amount of running that McDonald does off the ball is unbelievable. You know, to try and get a player to run without the ball, it's so so hard. It's such a difficult thing to get them to do, but McDonald just does it so so much. A lab, up front was an absolute handful, I can Sunday, a handful, and the little Scottish boy two on the left, he sets up the fourth goal. He's just picking up spaces all over the place and the, the front two, the front three, whatever you want to call it, they just keep rotating everywhere and the, the past players just couldn't get the grip through whatsoever. The, the second goal for, for Boas, the Pats actually have a free kick in, the, in, in their left corner. So it's in the corner and the goalkeeper goes to take it. So no, it's uh, the centre half. Creator takes it. Take. The centre half doesn't even want it. He's running away from it. So just not in the same way because a minute to go kick the ball up the pitch, get it into the mixer and see if you can score. Literally 30 seconds lower and you play a short free kick, they're, they're not on the same wavelength of breaks down and, and balls go and score and make it to wild. And Like I say, not an awful lot of improvements need to be made by Pats. But I have to say, Bows, you know, Rovers obviously haven't clicked into gear just yet, but Bows, and I know Derry are doing well, Bowers are probably uh, my tip to, if they, if they can sustain that and play like they did against Pats, they'll be there to there at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and as you said, Shamrock Rovers, yeah, haven't really got going at this stage. So still waiting for their first win um after five rounds of action. But uh Ollie, you were uh you were watching their match against Shells, which ended up being a nil-all draw, but it was actually kind of intriguing enough. And Shelburn can take a lot of credit for how organized they were.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was at the game. It was yeah, it was an interesting game, more than exciting. Yeah, sh- Shells. I think you know what you get with Shells. They're going to work really hard. They're disciplined. They kept their shape. They dropped into that low block. And I thought Rovers struggled to, to really break them down. There were some nice passages of play from Rovers. They kept the ball really, I think it was about 70% possession they had in the end. But at times I would have liked them to really stretch the game, getting away, wide, get and get, um, get them running at them, try and stretch them. But it was... Keep the ball back inside and, and they went the other side. And I, I just thought they never really stretched Cork or sorry, Shells, never really stretched them. Shells were able to move side to side, keep their unit in place, didn't get stretched. If shells didn't really offer a trek going forward, and I don't think that Alamanus had a save to make. Um, but they were happy enough to sit in and defend and they were organized. And I say, Rovers will be will be disappointed. To, had a couple of chances, nothing really clear cut. Um, I think uh, Connor Cairns had a couple of saves to make one from Burke in the first half, another one Gaffney probably should have scored with a header. Um, but it wasn't as if Rovers had put them to the sword and had them under the cosh. And I just thought even the crowd from both sides was kind of didn't really get into the game because neither team, you know, gave them a chance to get into the game and really, really lift the, the players on the pitch. So, um, but it, it was an intriguing kind of tactical battle, and it was, um it was interesting, but um, I think there's more in Rovers. I don't think, obviously, they'll, they'll be panicking yet. Um, obviously, <laughs> four points after after five games is not where they imagined they would be. Um, so, But look, I, I think uh, Stephen Bradley said it after. They could go on a 30-match unbeaten run. They could win the next 10 in a row if they, if they really want to. I mean, the likes of Burt was coming on and Trevor Clark comes on. So the, the strength and depth they have there is... It will will be used and will be needed but um, yeah I, I think there's, there's more in them um, but look all credit to Shells they knew what they were up against you know you're going to have to suffer against against Rovers they're possession based they'll keep the ball they've really good players but they they kept their shape they dug in they battled away um, so they never really threatened but I'd say they're happy enough for the point at the end
0: yeah, and Bradley has been talking up the performances, Shamrock Rovers' performances. He's been fairly insistent that they have been playing well, and in in passages like against Derby City, they actually played quite well in 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 parts of that game. But is there a point, Ollie, that you see maybe where they might have to tweak because they've had a very consistent system, um, which has been very very successful. But do you think there's tweaks needed to it, um, even maybe a change of formation from time to time, um, because obviously the back tree has been very solid, but you know maybe there's other ways of. Trying to break down teams like shells, where maybe teams have sort of worked out how to um how to stop that system.
2: Yeah, possibly. I I suppose again, listening to Stephen, he was saying obviously defensively against Cork, uh, they were poor, conceding four goals. So then they go and keep a clean sheet against rovers. I know that obviously the, the three lads Cleary, Lopez, and Grace, they ha- have had their ascendance off and suspensions and also. Um, I think he'll probably just get back to that that settled back three. Those are, and normally like they can get up the pitch because they have they keep positions uh, possession and they can pin teams back. But see the, the, the one thing for me that I would have just thought see if they get the ball wide that the wide men can really get at the full back get down the outsides of them maybe stretch them cutbacks for guys coming from midfield then to have shots but they, they didn't really do that i think he's played that uh, that system you know for a couple of years now and seems quite comfortable playing it and happy playing with it and maybe he does it with a of view to europe as well and um, you know so th- but yeah I, I don't know will he will he change it probably not they just they have the personnel i think to at any time if they just up it they can really Really open teams up, but maybe at times they're just still playing within themselves, thinking, oh, look, we're better than these, but you really have to go and go and show it and, and just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and they say, someone just to stretch them, run at players, maybe pull one or two out of position to open it up for other players and they say they have they have the players that can exploit that then. So um, but look, as I say, they're 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 obviously they're in a false position, eight points behind bows. You wouldn't want to be getting too far further than that away to be honest I know it's early doors and say that they're, they're capable of going on a run but um, you know it's going to be a really interesting game on Friday two teams you know that really need a win Um in Tall, I'm sure to be a big crowd um on Patrick's day as well so that's going to be a really really interesting game it's set up nicely probably in a different way than what we thought and um, you'd have thought the two of them will be pushing up towards the top at this stage but you know still set up nicely to be a cracker I think
0: yeah, and in the first division, Finn Harps, uh, still winless so far this season, drew nil all with Wexford, and then Treaty United were beaten 3-0 by Cove Ramblers, who've now won 3-4. and four. Galway United, a 9-1 win over Kerry, and then Bray Wanderers, Um, Longford Town was uh, goalless and then Athlone Town lost 1-0 at home to Waterford who have uh, regained some form just on the 9-1 and just I suppose the nature of trashings Keith Um, obviously Kerry are new to the league and it's expected that results like this are going to come along the line at some point and it's just kind of dealing with it so from their point of view I guess it's just a thing of learn from it dust yourself down and sort of move on in the knowledge that you know these type of results are going to come at this very early point in the club's history.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's what Billy Denny will be saying to the lads that look, we're pretty much just cutting our teeth in the league now. It's it's a big big step up for most of the players, and th- these results will come along every every so often. But i like you say, they're, they're, they're new to the league. It's it's a professional system, and look. I, I like everybody on delighted to see Kerry in the league. or you, everybody wants to go down there to a lovely part of the part of the country, but they won't play Galway every week. You know, Galway are one of the standout teams in that division, so things will get easier for them. You know, they've been in games up till then, but the nine one, I'm sure Billy Denny that that'll be the message. Look, Galway are outstanding at, at this level, so we won't play them every week. There will be certain games. I think will target Galway away wouldn't have been one of the one of the games that they would have targeted at some point. So. It's a, it's a right passion, but like I said, I'm sure Billy he probably bring them out for a point after that and just forget about it, get back to work on Monday. And Like you said, there's not an awful lot you can say to the last just trying to pick them back up and go again.
0: Yeah, and uh, also, Ollie uh, co-Ramblers, just to give them mention, obviously with the uh, three games or three wins from four, uh, and, when, and when you look at how they finished last season, where they were bottom of, the, bottom of the first division, struggled to get points on the board, Shane Keegan's doing a really good job there in his first full season in charge. Yeah, yeah, tremendous start.
2: Um, you know, brought a few players in, like experience in goal, like Lee Stacey and fellow tip man Jack Doherty got, grabbing a couple of goals as well. He got two at the weekend. So, yeah, they're going well. They're going well. It's a good, good win. Treaty obviously haven't won the game yet, so so they've been struggling, but still, like tricky place to go. They've been really competitive the last couple of years. So, um, Cove, yeah, would be delighted with that start. Shane, is just in in the job, doing a brilliant job so far. Um pushing Galway. I say Galway look clear favourites to, to come out with that division as Keith is saying there seem to be um, a cut above the rest there. But look you never know still things can get competitive. Waterford cracking goal from uh, I think it was Shane Griffin the weekend against that loan. Super free kick. Um so they'll they'll be they'll they'll be there thereabouts as well. So yeah yeah it's interesting but Cove will be absolutely delighted with the start and Shane Keegan obviously done a really good job so far.
0: Yeah, and in the women's premier division, second round of action, Wexford beat Sligo 3-1. Shamrock Rovers, uh, who are also like Kerry FC in the first men's first division, are also new to their division. 6-0 win over Treaty. And then uh, Cork City lost 1-0 at home to Galway. Um, P-Mount beat DLR Waves 1-0. And then Bowes lost 2-0 at home to double champions, Shelburne. So in the Wexford game, uh, the off-season signings, Emily Corbett, who was brilliant for Athlone Town last season, She got off the mark for the first time at Wexford. And Rihanna Jarrett, who's returned to Wexford now as well, also got off the mark scoring a header from six yards out. And then in the Shamrock Rovers game, one of the goals to watch out for, it's from Jamie Thompson, who got a hat-trick. But her third goal, uh, chipping the keeper from distance, is well worth a watch in terms of the the highlights. But uh, before we go, let's touch on the Champions League. We've got Manchester City against Leipzig on RT2 and the RT player on Tuesday night. Uh, 7.30 coverage starts and then kick off at 8.00. Um, in terms of uh, City, I mean, they they won, they they edged to victory against Crystal Palace at the weekend, Oli. I mean, uh, it was a penalty that Erling Haaland scored. They seem to be still struggling to click into gear, but they are getting, they are picking up results at this stage and just keeping pressure on Arsenal. Um, however, on the other side, RB, RB, RB Leipzig are going to be quite dangerous opposition, I imagine.
2: Yeah, tricky, tricky Leipzig. I wouldn't be. Dismissing it or saying yeah, City are guaranteed to go through. City will have to work for it. Um, Leipzig are, are a decent side, but the City just seem to be doing enough at times. Um, without setting the world alight. Um, you know, but uh, if City play to their potential, yeah, they, they should beat them and go through. But I say it's not a toy that they'll be taken taken lightly. Um, people know that as well. Um, but you know, they they're. they're Keeping tabs with Arsenal. Arsenal have been fantastic, and um, really good, brilliant, brilliant win yesterday again at a at a tricky venue at Fulham. So, um yeah, they're hanging on there. So the the, the running in the Premier League is going to be interesting. But yeah, City will be you know, they'll be favourites, obviously, to, to go through against Leipzig. But I say I wouldn't be too confident of them just sailing through it. They will definitely have to work, um, and Leipzig will, will put it up to them.
0: Yeah, and Keith, obviously the first leg ended up being 1-1 in Germany, so the uh, obviously there's no way goals in the Champions League uh, knockout stages these days, but even that being said, City just have a habit of sometimes slipping up in Europe. I don't know if this tie is going to be the one, but they are under pressure in this competition, given they still haven't won it uh, before.
1: Yeah, and half the time I think it's just Pep Guardiola over-team things. You know, i very reluctant to to speak against Pep Guardiola is obviously a brilliant tactician knows every, knows knows what he's doing but I just think you, they, the 11 they have is 9 times 9 times out of 10 is better than the 11 that anybody else has on the pitch so tactics are secondary you know if, if, if the more talented team walks as hard as the other team they'll win the game tactics sometimes you get bogged down they're playing people and hold Bernardo Silva going left back all this sort of stuff is a bit too much for me if they go out there and they, they walk as hard as Leipzig their talent will shine through and they win the game. But to, to, to touch on what you're saying about them in the... the unbeaten in eight now, Rath scored 18 goals in the last eight games. The last three... The last three goals... Or the last three games, they kept three clean sheets. So, I know what you're saying about the Palace. Palace had a very, very difficult team to beat. I know they haven't won a game this uh, this year so far. But the performances under, under uh, Patrick here have actually been quite good. The, the, the point tally is not, is not weighing up with the performances. So, that was always going to be a difficult game and they found a way to win it was a penalty Holland actually missed one or two chances that we would have expected them to score in that game as well so look there's, I think there's 12 games left in the, in the season City just for me they're starting to, to come into form exactly when you want them they're starting to find a bit of momentum at the business end of the season and I, I just think their level is up there that people are saying they still have another gear to go another two gears to go and that's the worrying thing for Arsenal I mean, we know I'm an Arsenal fan and, I think the only reason Arsenal don't win the league is because Manchester City can go in point six gear and just blow everybody away. A little bit like what we're saying about Shamrock Rovers in our league, that you know we expect Shamrock Rovers they can go and unbeaten run if they really, really wanted to. I think City could if they really, really wanted to, but do we do we think Arsenal can do that? I, I see Arsenal dropping a few points, but look, it's it's going to be a great race, and the, the good thing for Arsenal is. Will Manchester City's always be taking off the ball in the Champions League? You know, the deeper they go in the Champions League, the squad will get stretched. Will people, will they start dumping the Premier League and then maybe Arsenal can win it? That way, I'm not too sure. But if Arsenal do want to win it, they would have deserved it. You know, I wouldn't be buying into, our oh, City squad stretched stretching this. They, they've been excellent so far, Arsenal. If they can keep it going, they deserve to win it. But my mind is still pretty fresh when when they went to Tottenham last season and got beat 3-0 and they come out of the Champions League race and just capitulated after that. So that's still pretty fresh in my mind. And I'm sure Mikael Arteta is, is letting the Arsenal players know that we're doing brilliant, but the finish line is still a little bit away yet. We're probably one of the best teams in the world chasing So it's not over. Keep doing what you're doing, play game by game. And obviously, the Europa League will be coming into Arsenal thoughts as well. So it's a great race, great race at the top, great race at the bottom as well. With uh, Sean Dice Green, new life into everything as well. So Hampton, very unlucky against United not to get three points yesterday as well. So great races all over, but I think City are just kicking into gear, Raph. I know they're not that that fluid best, but I think they're just kicking into gear at the right time.
0: Yeah, um, and Arsenal still have to go to Anfield, which is a, even with Liverpool's form being up and down, that's a very tough place to go. They still have to go to the Etihad, of course, and they had lost to City the, uh, at the Emirates. Uh, about a month or so ago and then also they have to go to St. James's Park Newcastle maybe after yesterday's win probably clicking back into gear however um, as Ollie said great performance at Fulham who have been in great form this season you know performing above expectations does a performance like that and the way they handled, it especially they had a blip uh, a few weeks ago and then they had that shake you know the, the emotion of that shaky match against Bournemouth last weekend I mean are you kind of impressed at how they're handling it especially being such a young team?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with how they handle it. I, I go back to the Aston Villa game when it was two all and there's just so many things just falling into Arsenal's favour at the minute. When Arsenal signed Jorginho from Chelsea, a lot of the Arsenal fans were thinking, he's one pace. he's not somebody you want to be bringing in to win the league and when he hits that shot and it goes in off Martínez, back and goes in, all the Arsenal fans are saying, yeah, Jorginho, he's accepted now, we're all in. And then they go and get the last, the 97th minute winner against Bournemouth. As much as losing can become it, become a, a, a habit winning becomes a habit and now them Arsenal players are, you know the, the 80th minute if things are not going well they, they're getting that feeling now that it will come we will score don't panic and it's just all going in And even with uh, Jesus coming off the bench yesterday as well it's just all coming right for Arsenal at the right time as well look Trossard even when you think of Trossard and Mudrick Arsenal were favourites to go and get Modric, Modric wanted to sign for Arsenal, but then he ends up at Chelsea and we end up with Trossard, and that seems to have worked out better for Arsenal as well, Trossard looks absolutely outstanding, and I was a big, big fan of his at Bloyton, loved what he was doing at Belgium, did I expect him to hit the ground running like this at Arsenal? Not really, I, I have to be honest, I didn't think he was, like three assists in one game is really, really outstanding stuff, you know, they have Arsenal now, they defend properly in the midfield. They're, they're formidable and up front. If you give them a chance, they will hit the back of the net. So, like I say, it, everything just seems to be falling into, into Arsenal's lap. And I heard uh, the commentary yesterday on Sky, they were described as as smooth as silk some of the passing. And that's the best way to put it. some of the passing that Arsenal do. It's, you get the tactics board out You say A to B to C to D. And Arsenal are just doing it. Control, course control, clutch. And the basics they're doing, they do them really, really well. And, and the hard stuff, they do it really, really well. So, look, Arsenal are going to take some beating, but, you know, it's Manchester City at the end of the day and they have all the form. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tight one, but Arsenal have that winning feeling, which is a tough one.
0: Yeah, and Typical don't.
1: Arsenal fan there, optimism, optimism <laughs> all rolled into one game. I, 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 as soon as I say I like, back to Arsenal to win the league, I think they're going to win it. That's when the nose is coming. So I'm just yeah. staying away from it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Don't, obviously, as a supporter, generally, I'd be of always the mind never to uh, never to jinx things, regardless of what team uh, you support anyway. But anyway, we've got, a, as I said, Champions League on Tuesday night on RT2 and the RT player. That's between City and RB Leipzig. And then on Friday, there's also a live match between Derry City and Sligo Rovers. Same channel and obviously Friday is also uh, Saint Patrick's Day. So if you're uh, if you're not out and about and enjoying Paddy's Day like a lot of people would, um, there is or you can you can actually go to the game as well. But if you're not, you can uh, you can catch it on TV. So Ollie Cahill, uh, thanks a mill for taking the time, and also Keith Tracy.